The Yankees' roller coaster has started to ascend yet again. They have won their first series in nearly three weeks, but after they leave Seattle and before they get to the All-Star break, they will run directly into their nemesis and red-hot Houston Astros. Can the Yankees keep rolling against one of the hottest teams in the majors? We will talk to WFAN Yankees beat reporter Sweeney Murdy about the current upswing and where the team is headed as we near the break and inch closer and closer to the deadline. All that and more is straight ahead on a brand new edition of the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, as well during the show. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Longtime Yankees reporter for WFAN, Sweeney Murdy will join us later in the pod. But first, let me paraphrase the great Harry Doyle from a subpar sequel, Major League Two. Good news, Nelly. The Yankees are showing signs of life. The difference between (laughs) Doyle and the Indians at the moment and the Yankees and myself. Harry was three sheets to the wind in front of the mic wearing his T-shirt, the guinea tea that uh, I have in my... uh, repertoire that I usually wear uh, to sleep and the Indians were having a fight in the dugout amongst themselves while the Yankees are showing some fight against the lackluster Mariner team that I have no freaking idea Nelly how they won 14 of their last 19 coming into this series Yankees fans have seen this before Jeff only to be brought back to reality when this team decides to start its descent on the roller coaster ride that has been the Yankees 2021 season and you want proof of that roller coaster Here's their first 15, 5 and 10. Next 32, 23 and 9. Oh my God. All right. The Yankees are back. Oh, wait. The next 18, 5 and 13. Here we go again. Next nine, they're 7 and 2. Last nine, 2 and 7. Now they've won their last three. What in the hell is going on with this team? I went to a couple Mariner games when they played Colorado. It was two of the worst teams in baseball. But then, you know, the Mariners were like two games over 500. They're not, they're a very young team. They don't have a lot of leadership. They don't have a lot of great players. You know, they have a lot of good young players. And, you know, they're taking a step in the right direction, which is nice. But when you have a team like the Yankees, if you beat up on them, they scored, what, two nights in a row, three runs in the first inning. You're going to wind up beating a team like that because they don't know how to come back. I think they get intimidated by big teams like the Yankees. Not overly excited because they, they beat the Mariners. I think reality may set in on Friday when they go to Houston and play the Astros for the last three games of the first half. The Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball. They're a very complete team. Offensively, they're probably one of the best, if not the best team in baseball. They're a contact team. They don't strike out. So, you know, look for a lot of balls in play and let's see how this defense of the Yankees go. You know, I was a little surprising yesterday when I turn on the TV and I see Nick Nelson starting and they say, oh, uh, you know, Herman had a emergency root canal and is unavailable. Well, and then all of a sudden he's warming up in the second inning. I'm like, well, what is this? This is, I don't understand what happens. I understand if somebody's all of a sudden ill and they come to the park and they're sick and you know, they're just done. You, you know, they're, you're not going to be able to use them. But to have Herman warm up in the second inning, I'm like, well, he can't start? Or is this a message that he's probably not going to be in the rotation? He's going to be in the bullpen going forward. 
because he just hasn't had a whole lot of success. I was really scratching my head. I'm like, what are we doing? And plus a root canal, everybody I think in America has had a root canal. If you had it in the day, if you had it whenever, how does that affect you from starting? You might have a little headache, take an aspirin, take a Tylenol. I had a vasectomy, guys, and I ref a high school basketball game that night. I mean, what's going on? I used to ref high school basketball when I played with the Mariners and the Yankees. I hated to run. I didn't want to go out on the street, didn't do the treadmill. And that was my running. You know, I loved refing basketball and I did it. I ref playoffs all the way up to spring training. I power shagged. I ran all over the outfield. You know, that was my enjoyment during batting practice. But to have a root canal and sit down and then all of a sudden or be shut down and then you're up again, that just doesn't make sense. You, you know, you almost put the Yankees in the coaching staff or whatever, whoever made this decision, almost put the Yankees behind the eight ball because you started a guy that had a nine something ERA and Nick Nelson. Well, just something really quick. You could definitely power shag after you get a vasectomy. Let me just say that first. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, Secondly, I, I agree with you, Nelly. I mean, Jack Curry and I were, were sitting in watching the game as we were doing the pre and post game shows last night uh, for the Yankees. We kind of just looked at each other and our eyebrows went up like, why is he warming up in the second inning? I know Aaron Boone said before the game he is in play, but if he's going to come in at some point, then why didn't he start the game? It, it seemed like it was the playoffs all over again when, all right, Davey Garcia is going, all right, let's see what this kid can do. And then all of a sudden in the second inning here comes Jay Happ and there goes the Yankees postseason these decisions just come out of left field and you don't know what the hell is going on with this team sometime but but here's the common denominator the offense you can't shake a stick at what they did to you say Kikuchi last night who's headed to the all-star game his last four starts he had an ERA of 101 his batting average against was on the interstate they took him to the woodshed and it was over the first two innings of this ball game they had seven hits and five runs on the board through two innings against an all-star starter. However, that's the positive. The offense has been phenomenal these first two games in Seattle. The negative and what the Yankee fan maybe is glossing over right now, Nelly, is something that you just brought up, and it has to do with the starters. You have Nestor Cortez opening, I guess, in the game Friday in Houston. That's where the Yankees are right now. I brought up a bad sequel to start this podcast. I'll bring up another bad sequel, but it's kind of like if it's on, I'm going to watch it anyway because it's Chevy Chase. But Vegas Vacation falls into that category too. I mean, I'll watch any vacation movie uh, except the one made for TV. I'm not touching that one. But when he's in the Hoover Dam and he's trying to plug the dam with his gum and the gum keeps filling up with water, that's (laughs) where the Yankees are right now. Nestor Cortez is one of those pieces of gum that Chevy Chase is trying to plug the freaking Hoover Dam with. I know Cortez went out there, Nelly, on Sunday night and he did his job. This is not throwing shade at Nestor Cortez, but this is trying to make the Yankee fan understand Nestor Cortez is not the answer. He isn't. I'm sorry. On a day that the Yankees play the Mets in the Subway Series in a doubleheader, and you have Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez going on the same day, and we're talking about Nestor Cortez and not Garrett Cole in the positive light, that should be ringing alarm bells as much as Aroldis Chapman is ringing alarm bells, and he did have a somewhat clean ninth in the first game in Seattle. Well, it's a zero. I mean, that's I guess yeah, it's like it's a pool a, or a pond. It's a zero in a 12-1 game. 
but it was it was a you know it was biting your fingernails on the edge of your seat in a 12-1 game as much as that could have been it looked like Nelly let's go there since I brought up Chapman let me throw that at you first and you could go to uh, Nestor Cortez as well in the starting rotation which right now is so fluid I mean, I don't know how the Yankees survived the season. I really don't. Let's start with Chapman. It looked like he dialed back the velocity. This is just what I thought, Nelly. I want, I'm want. i curious as to what you think. But it looked like he dialed back velocity to get some of his command back. What did you see out of Chapman? I did. You know, he was throwing, what, 96, 97. And, you know, the, the reports, oh, his velocity's down again for however many starts. I don't know if it's disappointing, but in a way, I guess this spider tack or pelican grip or whatever they were using is actually a real thing with these guys. And I I think the command issues probably had something to do with what Chapman was going through. And, okay, I'll wear it back and I'll try to throw 100 to 102 if I have the tackiness on my fingers. But if I don't, then I'm going to have to try to dial it back and, and throw 96 or 97. His slider is is hittable now, and that's a, that's a concern. You know, he walked two and he loaded the bases and gave up a hit. I, in some ways, it's good news because I've been there before, obviously. You know, you struggle as a reliever and you need that 12 to 1 game to try to dial it back in. And it's usually command or a lot of times it's confidence. And you go, you throw a zero. It might be a, a tough inning, but still you, you get something out of it because nobody scored. Uh, and I think that builds and then you just you just go in the next time. And hopefully the next time he goes in, he throws up another zero and it's a little bit cleaner. Uh, you know, everybody needs that. Every reliever goes through that so you know I know how he feels and I know what it's like the struggles that he's had for a long period of time ever ever since they started checking for the sticky stuff that is concerning and the same with Garrett Cole you know Garrett Cole can be in that same same scenario or same sentence because he's struggled his last few outings and struggled mightily you know it wasn't one of those things ah you know he went six innings gave up three runs and that could be a struggle for Garrett Cole it was probably in the past because he's that good but it's interesting that over these last few times he he has really been bad and his command's been bad his breaking ball has not been as sharp Uh, I hope they can adjust I hope they can get through that or find a way to have a better breaking ball or get away from whatever they did in the past. Uh, you know, another thing that was a little shocking to me is, okay, Green goes three innings on Sunday, and we're talking this is Wednesday, so you had two days off, and they were thinking about, oh, we might stay away from Chad Green because he threw three innings on Sunday. I'm like, dude, you had two days off. I mean, what is what, what, is, what are we doing, babying these guys? I mean, I know it's different than when we played, than when I played. But my gosh, you had two days off, and you need wins. I mean, he's your best guy down there, and let him throw an inning. It's not that yeah, bad. Yeah, and the All-Star break is also coming up, too. I, I realize you don't want to pound these guys into the ground because you, you have a second half of the season. And maybe, who knows, Nelly, maybe their plan is to make green – temporary closer and and they need to they they need to save them they need to save some bullets especially for Houston who the hell knows what the plans are but you you touched on Garrett Cole uh, I'm going to bring up Jamison Tyone really quick he had his best start of his Yankee career the first night in Seattle on Tuesday he went the deepest into a game he's gone all season he went seven innings he was like a hot knife through butter with a Seattle Mariner lineup that came in pretty hot and he shut them down he threw a bucket of ice water on them. But while you get really excited about that, it's his next start, which is going to come against the Astros that you have to focus in on Yankee fans. That is what you have to focus in on because these three games against Houston are going to be your litmus test. You're going to see if this offense could carry over the hotness that they've had in Seattle. And I'm not taking anything away from them, but let's face it, Jeff, you're supposed to go into Seattle and sweep this team. They are 22 and five or 23 and five in their last 28 games in Seattle. Ridiculous. You need 
to win these games in Seattle, especially before you go to Houston. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you just mentioned if you can, they, they've always been so far this year, they've won the first two games of the series. And then not that they let down, but they've had a chance to sweep the team. And next thing you know, they come out with a loss. And hopefully that doesn't happen on, on their third game today against against the Mariners, that they come and they sweep the team. They, they, as far as confidence level, I think they need that. Uh, Tyone, you're right. He had his best start, went to seven innings, but he gave up one run, struck at eight or nine. Uh, you know, he, he had some good stuff. I mean, again, you know, I don't understand why hitters are swinging at the high fastball and you know I've heard some oh they're calling the high strikes so just a little bit up they're they're still seeing that ball and it looks so good and they're swinging right through it and you're getting a lot of strikeouts through that I'm a little concerned about the Yankees going forward about what they're going to do I've been reading a lot about some of the scenarios with trades about what pitchers are out there could pitchers that could be available I'm not excited about any of them, uh, even a Barrios, the guy from Minnesota. Uh, I think the Twins are going to be asking a lot for him, especially from the Yankees. It doesn't seem like a lot of teams like to deal with the Yankees, and when they do, they want their top prospects, and the Yankees are reluctant to give that up. And, you know, understandable. But Barrios, he may be the best out there, but all the other ones, they just don't excite me. I just don't see that Danny Duffy's, the uh, Kyle Gibson, he's on a three-year deal. You know, he doesn't excite me one bit coming to New York. I think you already have better than any of the other guys that are out there. I just don't know what the Yankees are going to do. I think they're far more than just one player away. You know, you look at them in a wild card, they're three and a half games out behind Toronto, behind Oakland and behind Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay and Oakland have the two spots right now. I think it's really early to tell. And obviously, I think it's going to go all the way down to the last last couple of days of this month in July, the trade deadline, before the Yankees decide what they're going to do. I really don't see a lot out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the sledgehammer either. And if you want a sledgehammer, you're going to have to give up one of your big guys, you know, Johnny Loisega is going to be one of them. Chad Green is another one. And you're not going to give up those guys because those guys are key to your pen. So after saying that, let's say this. Uh, we're going to welcome Sweeney Murdy. Uh, he's going to join the uh, program right after this. Sweeney, of course, the beat writer and uh, beat reporter for WFAN has been covering the Yankees forever. And he joins us right after this. As promised, joining us now, a friend of the show, a friend of Nelly's, a friend of mine. You can find him on the Twitter machine, at Yankees WFAN 30 with Murdy. His podcast is fantastic. Lots of great baseball stories. Sweeney Murdy, thanks for coming on, pal. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. How you doing? We're we're fantastic. Uh, got a couple hours of sleep after that game out in Seattle. <laughs> Both you and I, uh, Sweeney, covering that one. And the Yankees' offense has arisen, um, not just that, well, the Kraken has gone back underneath the water, four for his last 32 or 33, but we, we've seen that with Gary Sanchez before. But this offense, Sweeney, we have to talk about that. Let's start there. Has really started to hit the ball in Seattle. They have woken up. They're not sleepless. They are definitely pounding the ball the first two games, and they took Yusei Kikuchi to the woodshed, who's going to the All-Star game. So some positivity as they start this uh, last road trip before the All-Star break. Yeah, they took care of a pitcher who didn't throw the ball really well. Uh, we'll see if they go sweepless. That'll be <laughs> in the series finale. Some of these guys are coming around. This still isn't the juggernaut offense, and I don't know if we're going to get there. But we definitely are seeing some signs of light from guys who didn't show it for a lot of the first half. DJ LeMahieu has had a really good month now. So he looks like – and every time you see him, he's hitting the ball to right and right center. It's such a terrific sign that he's probably back on track. 
even though his numbers probably aren't going to look like they did the last couple of years because he struggled for such a long period of time. Uh, Aaron Judge has been putting up really kind of MVP kind of numbers for most of this season. And if the Yankees were in a better position, you'd probably be talking about him as a candidate, you know, alongside all the all the other normal, usual suspects there. Uh, Sanchez did have a little bit of a rebirth. I think you're right with his recent struggles. I think you're still seeing some pretty good at-bats at times and some solid contact in situations and it's not the same as what you were watching for a very long period of time. Stanton's a streaky guy. I think you're going to have, have to live with that for, I don't remember how many years are left on that deal. Luke Voigt's been hurt for a while, but now he's starting to come around. Really, you're seeing some signs of the guys, but really to me, it's still a glaring omission is Glaber Torres. And until he comes all the way back, I don't think you're going to look at this lineup as a top-to-bottom threat and really have the depth that the Yankees planned. I've said many times over the course of the season that, especially early when things seem to be going awry, you know, the Yankees, I think, knew what their deficiencies were this year, but the offense was not supposed to be one of them. The team was kind of designed and built to have the offense cover for a lot of these issues they were having and give them time to address them as you play through the first 80, 100 games. Well, when the offense didn't show up starting in the first 20 games, you know, you ran into an issue where that became, you know, that became the number one focus and all these other issues with defense or pitching or whatever, they kind of came to the forefront uh, because they weren't hitting either. So they're showing some signs, but I don't think we ready to call them the juggernaut just yet. Yeah. First of all, Sweeney and Chris, I do have some wine. I know it's early, but I do have some wine and cheese if you, uh, if you need it for the, uh, you know, Oh, did we get a few hours of sleep? That was me. Don't throw Sweeney under the bus. That was me. Okay. Sweeney, you ought to see the text chain that we had about, Oh, you know, I'm going to try to pull it together. And I'm like, I've done these shows at 4.30 a.m. I've done the same thing. You wake up and you suck it up. I mean, let's go. Nelly wakes up and has a Bud Light ready to roll right next to his bed. I I I don't get tested anymore. The greenies are there now. I try to explain to people all the time, like, who have normal jobs, what day game after a night game means. Nelly's lived it, so I guess I don't have to explain it to him. But uh, (laughs) I tell everybody, I said, listen, if you have a normal job, you get home at 6. Let's say you get home at 6 o'clock. Go right to sleep and then wake up at midnight and then work a full day again. Tell me how you feel. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What I wanted to ask you, I needed you, I need you to help me understand this. And I wasn't quite sure. I turned on the TV last night and I see Nick Nelson as a starter because her mom had emergency root canal surgery. And I was like, okay, well, everybody's had root canal surgery and you, you probably pop a few ibuprofen and you go get them. And, you know, I was telling them, I said, I had a vasectomy and ref a high school basketball game the same night. So I'm like, what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden, Herman gets up in the second inning. I'm like, well, if he can get up in the second inning, he can't start. So I was a little puzzled with that. Yeah, I, I don't have a great answer for you. Like, I don't does I've never had a root canal is a knock on wood here. Is is there uh, is there anesthesia involved here? What out? You know, how does that? Work? Yeah, it's in your mouth. I mean, it's what, Novocaine. I mean, what is that? Novocaine I, in your I, mouth. They're not knocking I, you out. Yeah, if I if I was a professional anything, I'd be a professional root canal getter. So I could tell you it's no it's no picnic, but after it's done, and I, you know he's a Yankee, so I'm not he doesn't have to wait a week in between you know getting the procedure because it's a procedure. It, it, it's it's about three or four visits before you're done and everything is finished. So 
once it's done, like Nelly said, you you pop an 800 milligram uh, ibuprofen and you smack your rear end and you get back on the field. I mean, I I didn't understand it, and 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 I know Sweeney, I don't have a, a good answer for it either. But I could tell you this, and I told Nelly in our first segment, you know, Jack Curry and I are sitting in the office watching the game and we see him get up and we're just like, wait a minute, if he's up in the second, why didn't he start the damn game? I mean, it, it just, it didn't make any sense to us. I know it didn't make any sense to you. The, the bottom line is that the Yankees went out there and their bullpen pieced together eight in the third innings, struck out 10, gave up three unearned runs. I mean, you can't ask for anything more out of the bullpen, especially Luis Sessa, who kind of brought balance back to everything after Nelson lost command. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I, I don't know what the reasoning was at that particular point in time, too, because I don't have all the details of what time of day did he have it? What was happening with that? Him getting up, I think, you know, John Flaherty mentioned during the Yes broadcast about how he was up in the second inning, maybe just to kind of see how he felt and what he gave, what he could give you. Isn't that something that maybe could have been done at 5 o'clock instead of 8 o'clock? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And if you're looking at, like, he gave you three innings. I understand if he started the game, you're probably looking for more, but have the ability in your bullpen. If he started the game and you said, I can only get you three innings, you know, then you avoid the, the Nick Nelson spot altogether right there. He's unfortunately, Nelson, unfortunately, is really not, sorry, Nelly. He has unfortunately <laughs> not, you know, uh, lived up the name. Is that is that a good way to, to say Yes. He, we got to add another vowel or something at the end of that so it doesn't get compared. <laughs> you know, he's not my son. <laughs> Nelson Witz or Nelson Steen or something. I don't know. <laughs> he was he had a really good stretch at AAA where they, they stretched him out pitch count and put him into a starter's role. And he's had the last – obviously no minor league season last year, but he's been kind of on the radar the last couple of years as a guy who's performed well in the minor leagues. His major league auditions have not gone very well at all. So um, that part is disappointing. And that was a big spot last night. This is not trying to eat up two innings later in a game. And it's a lot different than even if he'd come into a high leverage situation in the seventh inning and kind of, you know, gave it gave it away. You're putting your team behind a major eight ball when you only get two outs in the first inning. And I thought Sessa has all Sessa has not gotten as much love as he deserves uh, over the course of the last few years because he's not one of the primetime guys. But when you can throw two innings at a clip anywhere in a game and save some guys as well as he's done the last few years, I think it's a valuable piece. I understand you want guys to be better, but you know, I, I say a lot of times, you know, when fans get fed up with the 12th or 13th pitchers on the staff, I'm like, how good do you expect these guys to be? They're the 12th or 13th pitchers on a staff for a reason. So uh, I think Sessa has really taken steps forward here where he's more of a guy you count on now in spots like that. And the fact that he was as efficient as he was really is what, change the game you know he could have gotten through what he pitched three and a third he could have gotten through three and a third throwing you know he, he could have thrown like 70 pitches and only gotten you through two plus right you're really quick sweeney because you, no 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 you brought up efficiency and it just clicked into my head 119 pitches from the yankee bullpen last night 78 for strike so 65 and a half percent of their pitches were for strikes the entire bullpen especially sessa and i'm not you know, making light of anything you just said, because he's the one who brought balance back to the Yankees game last night and helped them get the win for sure. But the entire bullpen was efficient. Him, 
Herman, Loisaga, and Green. It just it was it was mowing down Seattle Mariners left and right. Yeah, and I you know I'm 119 to get 25 outs. You know that's you know I mean, you're talking about almost an old fashioned complete game right there. You know minus Nelson's two thirds, but I I think Sessa has been super valuable because of that role that he could occupy. And last night because the Yankees scored early. It really set a different tone. This wasn't trying to kill innings and save anybody. You were you were trying to get to a part of the game where you could still win this game, and and he was obviously um, I, I would say one of the two or three biggest parts of it. Guys, I hear our guest last week, Nick Taturo, yelling about this right now because of his hate for Luis Sessa, as he said last. Luis Sessa, Nelly, why is Luis Sessa on the team? Yeah, I've heard Nick <laughs> too, I, I've gotten them. Uh, you know, in person too. That's um, love you, Nikki. But you know, Mariano Rivera. There aren't twelve Mariano Riveras coming out of a bullpen. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was funny. You tweeted something a, a couple days ago about about the spider tack or the grip and the sticky stuff or whatever. So I texted you instead of starting a firestorm and on Twitter, and and I just said, you know, I I, I was really surprised at how, I guess how much. Guys, I guess, have used it and how much it's it's really benefited, whether it's their spin rate with the fastball or their breaking ball. And two guys that have shown signs that they have used it has been Chapman and, and also Garrett Cole. And it's really shown, especially Chapman over the last couple of weeks and then Garrett Cole over his last couple of starts. I wonder how, you know, I even asked you, I wonder how they adjust to that. I mean, I was thinking Nelson Figueroa does the Mets podcast. He does pitching lessons and he mentioned something about one of the guys that he was talking, uh, teaching, used a spider tack, and he goes, "Look, I don't even have to really break my wrist or snap as hard as I can to get a really good break on the ball and, and get a downward, downward uh, motion on that breaking ball." I'm thinking, okay, back in our day, we didn't have that. I didn't have that around, and I we really had to snap our wrist for to get good breaking ball spin to make my. I had a big slur, big slider, whatever it was, and I really snapped hard to try to get that big break, and that was every single time, and now they don't have to, and I, it brings back Tyler Glass now when he says, oh, you know, you took that tack away from us, and look how I got hurt, so I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe he had to snap a little bit harder on that breaking ball, and all of a sudden, his elbow's not used to that. Is that something that Chapman is doing, because his sliders aren't nearly as effective or even as sharp as they used to be? And same with Garrett Cole, his location is way off and his breaking pitches aren't as sharp as they used to be. So, you know, I'm wondering, do can they adjust? And I mean, is this a problem with these two guys? And it's not just these two guys, but it's a lot of guys around the league. I think you saw it with a couple of the Seattle guys the last couple starts with Kikuchi and even Sheffield. Yeah, I think Cole and Chapman are the two most glaring ones for some obvious reasons. If you look at the first couple of months of the season, they were they were the two best pitchers and the weird timing of them being named to the all-star team last week was terrible, but I think you knew that they were going to be as you watched the first couple of months of the season. But they fall in different categories for me a little bit, Nelly, because Cole basically admitted to you without admitting to you that he has, has used it and he has a problem with not being able to use it anymore. And he's trying to navigate this. And when I say a problem, I don't mean physically easy. I mean, he has a problem with the with the fact that it was taken away, that they are legislating it. So. He's now in a spot where he had three really good starts, I think, in the aftermath of of that seven innings, two runs, I think, in all of them. And then and then he had the last two Red Sox and Mets starts, which were terrible. And it was a little more evident that he's having an issue with this and he's going to have to figure it out. One of the reporters quoted somebody as saying that, you know, this guy looks more like the Pittsburgh Garrett Cole. Uh, that he does the Astros Garrett Cole. Pittsburgh Garrett Cole was still pretty good, 
And he's always been a guy who, you know, listen, he was drafted first round out of high school. He was drafted first round, first overall out of college. He's always had high talent. So there is talent in there, but is it, you know, is it the guy who took the next level the last couple of years or are you getting less than that? It's, it's, it's something important he has to figure out now because, you know, this is where you earn the money on the contract, not the back end of the contract. The back end of the contract is what you give the guy to get him here. The front end is what you're paying for because you're in your prime. This is what Garrett Cole has to figure out sooner rather than later. Chapman is in a weirder spot for me because he doesn't have the, you know, the tacit admission of using it the way Cole did. We're just kind of basing it off of what seems to be too coincidental a timeline of the last three weeks, four weeks or whatever it is of him really struggling. And the idea that I don't know if I ever paid attention to it before, but I had seen him licking his hand a lot more than I ever remembered him doing before. So clearly that's about trying to get a better grip and, and, and trying to deal with whatever he's not allowed to use anymore, it would appear. As far as what effect it has on his stuff, Nelly, I would defer to you on that, but it's pretty clear there are spots when even when, you know, it looked the other night like he was dialing back on purpose. I mean, he's throwing 95. It looked like he was trying to dial back in order to gain some control, and it looked like it worked for a minute. All of a sudden, he airmails that one pitch. You're like, oh, okay, well, this, maybe this isn't working the way it's supposed to. That slider uh, and the splitter, well, I don't think we're seeing quite as many splitters. I don't have the pitch breakdown, but I don't think he's throwing nearly as many of those from what it would appear. And as Jose Altuve can attest to, occasionally he'll roll a slider in a bad spot, and maybe it's not your best pitch. So that's that's something that is worrisome because they can talk to me about mechanics and they can talk to me about you know whatever they think is going to get Chapman back to throwing 100 regularly and maybe some more bite on those pitches, but – the timeline tells you that there is something uh, at least to investigate about that and be worried about. the. Uh, yeah, and the thing of it is, is when, you know, what's really shocking is I, I, you know, I threw a split, but it was only in warm-ups. I mean, I just, you know, to maybe to show it, and I don't even know why I did it. It was just some super, su- stupid superstition or whatever. I think I threw it a total of maybe three times in all of 15 years. Who knows? But I, I would always think that, okay, you need that, that you don't, you can't have any kind of tacky stuff in between your hands because it has to slip through your fingers to, in order to get that good break down, almost like a knuckling type of uh, spin on, on that ball to get it to go down. So I, I would say, okay, well, if he's using tack, why is he not, you know, why is he using it on a splitter? But then, you, well, like you just mentioned, the velocity's down. He's trying to dial back to get some of the command. And his sliders, I mean, it, a lot of times when he's missed, you know, it's down and away to a lefty, but it still had that sharp break. Now when he's missing, it's almost like it's spinning up there and guys are seeing it. The hitters are seeing it so much better. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully they can turn this thing around. I mean, I was telling everybody, listen, I went through the same thing as Chapman as far as you struggle you need that blowout to get the get the confidence back, and sometimes you throw you know load the bases, but you still throw up that zero, and that's the most important part. Hey, I didn't give up any runs. It might have not looked good, but I didn't give up runs. So hopefully that helps him. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the next start from Cole. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, you know Chapman gets a closing chance, whether it's uh, you know whether it's today against Seattle or any time during the Houston series before before the All Star break. Yeah, they, I think they signaled – the fact that you brought him into a 12-1 game, I know you had some limited options, but you had, you had you could have used anybody to get try to get three outs with an 11-run lead. 
they chose to give it to Chapman. It told me at that particular point in time that he's not the closer right now. Uh, because if you use him here, you get into a closing situation the next day, and, and it's exactly what happened. They got a little bit lucky with the other guys that we talked about that covered them through seven, and they had really they only had an inning apiece for Loisaga and Green. I feel like you kind of have to be sure. You can't you can't kind of reasonably guess that Chapman is back if you've got Loisaga and you've got Green. You have the ability to manipulate your bullpen to the t- point where you can get those guys into the eighth and ninth innings, you're going to have to be sure Chapman is back before you give him that uh, rollback. And I don't think they're there yet. They might be forced into it because of workload situations, but I marvel at what Loisiga and Green have done. I've mentioned a few times that I know it sounds silly, but Nelly, I don't know whether you'll agree or disagree with me on this, Shern. I've looked at those two guys and, and what they can do with multiple innings and dominate for multiple innings efficiently. And I, Think of 1996 version of Mariano Rivera. Now, I know he threw over 100 innings, and he became a much different pitcher because of what happened, and it's hard to compare him to anybody. But the confidence that this team seems to have when they know that they can throw Loisga or Green for multiple innings, I've seen these guys get, what, seven outs on 25 pitches sometimes. It's really quite impressive. I mean, that's a luxury not every team has. All of a sudden, the Yankees have two of these guys. I know it's a different animal and a weird thing to try to compare it to that version of Mariano Rivera that we saw, but I feel like it has the same effect at times when you see them go two plus. You're right. You're right. Real quick. I think you have two great assets and it's just a matter of now, can you use them multiple days in a row? Cause I know they were really reluctant after the three innings from green to use him on Wednesday with two days off. So Hopefully they can use them in multiple days, maybe two or three days in a row, or at least try to split those guys up in some sense. And just and just think if you had a healthy O'Day and a healthy Zach Britton in the mix with Green and Loisaga, then you're talking about a lights-out Yankee bullpen. Yeah, Britton, that's, that's a good point that you bring up. I'm glad you mentioned that because Britton comes back here. Now all of a sudden, maybe you have the luxury of getting this a little bit further out with Chapman. And as I said, trying to make sure – because I don't think you want to – I don't think you, you, you're sure after the other night. And he might be forced into closing based on a, uh, on availability. But he's not your closer right now. He's just not because you've seen too much of what's happened the last couple of weeks. And you know that you don't have the confidence in it. And this is a longer-term thing because some of his postseason failures the last couple of years, you're already questioning, can he win it for you? Is he the guy that's going to be on the mound closing out a championship for you? And the answer was – you know, I think he felt good about the answer in the first couple of months because of how dominant he was. But even if he gets back to some dominant form in you know July, August, September, whatever it is, you have this massive stretch in the middle of the season where he's clearly struggled. You have big home runs he's given up in the postseason the last few years. I don't think you have nearly the same confidence, and that's why I'm kind of curious to see what happens here with Green and Loisaga because you don't just have, as Nelly said, you don't just have one of them. You've got two of them, and if you have the ability to kind of change things up, we've seen some championship teams do this where you started the season with one closer, your bullpen kind of blows up on you, and you end up having to shift on the fly. And, you know, you go back and look at teams like uh, like the Dodgers or the Red Sox or the Astros even – they didn't have strong closers, and they had to remake their bullpen as they got to October, and you saw what they did with them. It's not unusual, and maybe the Yankees might have to find themselves in that spot. 
Well, you brought up confidence, and I'm glad you said that word because the Yankees don't really have confidence in Chapman for good reason, and it looks like he has lost his confidence personally too. Sweeney Murdy, uh, thank you so much. If you're a Yankees fan and you're on Twitter and you don't follow at Yankees WFAN, you've been living under a rock. Sweeney does such a great job, and he has for years with WFAN. He's a close personal friend of both me and Nelly, and Buddy, we thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. That says goodnight to episode 68, the Dell and Batances edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia, plus Sarah McCrory for producing the show. We have a full house backfield on this one. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back on Monday when the Yankees hit the break after their huge series in Houston. Thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod. Until next time, happy trails to you.